We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Start for the win. It's good. Obyshevsky takes flight as SGA plays through the contact, banks it into the foul. What is up and welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast. I know I'm your host, Nick, even though I took Jacob's line, but I am joined by Jacob tonight. Jacob, how you doing? What's up? I'm good, man. So the last two times the Chicago Bulls were in Oklahoma City, December 16th, 2019, the Thunder trailed by 22 points and pulled off a win. Do you remember tonight, who, who led that comeback in 2019, Nick? Probably who, Shea. Who cooked in that fourth quarter? It had to have been Shea. Chris Paul. I don't know if you remember. Chris Paul Clutch hunted Paul. this hunted the switch onto Wendell Carter Jr. every time down and just cooked. Well, that that was that was the January 15th, 2021 game. Maybe or was that was that actually 2019? There's that was no 2019 to... because Chris was the 2019, 2020 season. God, time is like a, a weird thing right now, man. I know, man. Teen feels like so long ago. I know. You're right, though. You're right. But then mm-hmm. there was the there's the other game, January 15th, 2021. Thunder Trail by 22. Ended up coming back and winning that game. The first uh-huh. time with Chris Paul was 26. Tonight was 28. Yes. But and the game last year, 2021, almost a year ago to the day, you, you, it was January 15th. Oh, yeah. Jerry, you're spot on. And they got down and Shea cooked in that game and brought them back. There's a reason you bring home prizes at trivia night at all the different <laughs> restaurants and bars in Oklahoma City. You know your stuff. My, I just, my brain is wired strangely. Well, tonight they did not pull off the win. Um, I think you and I both agree. Probably for the best. It was mm-hmm. a fun game, huge comeback, 27-point swing. Um, really, it was more of a 23-point swing, 24-point swing. Muscala hits that three at the very end when it didn't really matter. Um, but lose by one, final score of 111 to 110. Jacob, I want to start with the the play of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who honestly I don't think has a chance at making the All-Star team this year, as good as he's played. And we've talked about this for a couple of years now. As good as he is, 
until the Thunder start winning games, it's just not in his cards. Um, what have you seen from him recently? Because he, he went through kind of a slump there. Um, he was getting a little bit of criticism for the amount of step back threes. His splits are nowhere near as good as they were last year. What have you seen from him more recently in which he's emerged? And we've seen people on Twitter, national media, saying he's been one of the best guards in the entire league over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, shout out Josh Eberly on Twitter, who uh given Shea some love tonight. Um, tonight, Nick, Shea goes for, let me get it pulled up here. Um, da-dum, da-dum, 31 points on 53% from the field and 40% from three. Took 14 free throws, had three rebounds, 10 assists, three steals. If you look at his recent game logs, tonight, 31 points. Uh, against Cleveland, 29. Against Charlotte, 29. San Antonio's the outlier at 13. Dallas, 34. Cleveland, 21. Brooklyn, 33. Washington, 32. And the most threes he took in any of those games was against Cleveland um, two nights ago Yep, when he took seven threes. He's not shooting the three. He is attacking the basket relentlessly. Talked about it last night on the weekly show. When you look at the past five games, he is uh, averaging 28 drives per game. That is the most in the league over that span by about five drives a game. The dude is living, just getting downhill, creating contact, neither making layups or getting to the free throw line, not settling at all. And Nick, tonight, the thing that was most impressive to me was I felt like he really played within the flow of the offense. I felt like he didn't force a lot. And then whenever he had it going, he kind of he didn't slam on the gas and just do crazy shit. He just slowly eased on the pedal and put more and more and more pressure. But I mean, I, I think the best example of him playing within the offense tonight, under a minute to go, Thunder are trying to complete the comeback, drives to the basket, had the step back little free throw range jumper that he loves. Instead, found a cutting Giddy. Great cut by Giddy, by the way. Feeds him for the layup at the rim. Not forcing things, playing within the offense, but being incredibly efficient at it. That would have been a tough shot, too. As much as he loves that type of shot, that's a very, very tough shot. He would have had to have put a ton of arc on it, um, get it over the defender, but instead finds Giddy. I didn't even... Giddy kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know if it was the camera angle or... Um, just the the angle he came from. I didn't even see him cutting into the last second. Shea finds him, easy layup, um, pulls the game. I think was it within one at that point? Was that when they pulled within one or was it within three? I think that pulled them within one. And yep. then right after that is when they fouled mm-hmm. and Levine hit two free throws. No, but I think I think you're right. For Shea, it's about is the game coming to him or is he forcing it? Now, there has been games where He's forced the issue and he's been successful. He's just said, I'm the best player on the floor. I'm going to go score and he scores the ball. But we've seen the flip side of that where he does a little bit too much and that's where his efficiency really, really drops off. Mm-hmm. And those are nights that either Dort or Giddy have to pick up the slack and score a bunch of points or they're going to lose by a lot. Um, tonight was a night that kind of surprisingly um, didn't end up being as a high of scoring game as I thought the Bulls scored 111 points, which don't get me wrong. That's, that's not a recipe for success is giving up 110 plus points, but the thunder defense of late has been horrific. You know, you tweeted during the game, the last couple of weeks have been pretty bad. 
I almost think it stretches over the course of the last month or more. You know, they were one of the top 15 defensive teams in the league. I know it's it's never an accomplishment to be in the top half of the league when you want to be really, really good. You want to be top five, top 10 at whatever you do. But being in the top half of the league defensively is an accomplishment for a team that's been as bad as Oklahoma City. I, I tweeted you in the game and said that's been a crutch for them early in the season when they were winning games. It was their solid defense. And of late, it's been very, very, very bad. Um, do you think that's more of a, you know, the the season's kind of at the midway point, players are no longer have that early season, you know, happiness and giddiness for playing the game and they're just kind of getting lazy or what do you attribute that to? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, before I answer that real quick, uh, the Bulls had 82 points with seven minutes left to go in the third quarter. 82 points. They ended the game with 111, so that yep. means they scored 29 points in 20, 20 minutes. game minutes. Yeah, Some of that was just they got really cold. Some of that was Io DeSumo couldn't Dude. just be prime Jordan for forever. Dude. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's a combination of things, Nick. Like We know the Thunder's goal is to tank and to get a high draft pick. Yep. The players know that is is... I mean, they're not being told, hey, go out there and play like shit and lose games, but they know that their team is set up to not win a lot of games. We're in middle, late January when, I mean, Josh Giddy has talked about it recently. He's been yeah. texting his Australian NBA friends trying to figure out how the hell do I get through 82 games? Right. NBA is um, a different ball game, literally. Yeah. And then... I mean, you look at things like tonight. Um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I like the dude a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I've been on record on this podcast saying he can, he can be your bench big for a You're decade. A yeah. He has literally no chance in hell at defending Nikola Vucevic, or as my guy Perk would like to say, Babusevic. <laughs> um, I mean, if if. The Bulls wanted to feed Vooch tonight. He could have had 45. Easy. You know, I mean, Easy. JRE was sinking down so low because he couldn't stop Vooch at the rim. And then so they just went to the pick and pop. And then whenever he'd close out on the pick and pop, Vooch would just body the shit out of him down low and get buckets. Um, so a lot of it, I think, is just personnel based yeah. as well. And, and that's not that's not his fault either. He's 6'8", like, 6'9", yeah, he, being asked to play center. Yeah. He's fighting, but... I mean, this is the big leagues, man. Yeah. You know, when you're giving up three, four inches and 25 pounds, that dude is going to put you in the basket every time. And you saw who was guarding him down the stretch. Kenrich Williams. Kenrich Williams. And then they intentionally <laughs> put Dort on, on Levine so they could switch that pick and roll every time. So dude. it was giving me shades of Derek Fisher guarding Tim Duncan in the Western oh, Conference Finals geez. again. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, it even like, even like the, um, the mellow year, the the literal offensive game plan for every team that played OKC was get mellow to switch on your ball handler and cook him. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's it's, all the Jazz did in the playoffs. Yeah, and it's different now because it's it's more down low or um, it's it's less perimeter oriented. But but teams know the Thunder are under it's it's not a it's not a a secret. Their tallest mm-hmm. player is Alexei Pokashevsky. Yeah, he's currently playing with the blue. First of all. He's not your seven footer that's going to go defend the rim. Exactly. But even, but even when he's when he's on the floor, um, 
he's he's guarding guards and and wings. So when he's not on the team, there is not a seven footer on this roster. Hell, their their tallest player in the starting lineup tonight was their point guard. Yeah, yeah, and, and even point guard had an, had an inch on their center. You even look at the bench. The tallest player is Mike Muscala, who's maybe six ten and known for being a floor spacing big. He's not a traditional big. Mm-hmm. Derek Favors is your traditional center, and he's six foot nine. He played power forward his whole career until he got too slow. Yeah, now he's playing center. <laughs> I get that's the epitome yep. of, of this Thunder roster. And we've talked about it a lot. This team has to find the center of the future, whether that's through draft or through trade, free agency, whatever it might be. Um, it's not a priority now because there's no need to to win a bunch of games now. But I do want to talk about a trade. And I put the the poll on the uncontested Twitter tonight and got some interesting responses. I'd like to hear um, your take on this. Okay. I like this kind of theme that we've been doing trade ideas after each post game. I did the Charlotte game and I did the, the PJ Washington yeah. trade. Now you're doing yeah. the bulls. You've got a trade. I like this. Well, so, and this player did not play tonight. So it's a little bit different, but along the same lines, you're right. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if, what the trade would look like. This is one of those trades where God knows what the asking price is. Cause he's not playing this year. It's Pat Williams. Um, if the bulls wanted to go all in, I think Lou Dort makes more sense than ever with Caruso being out for the next month or two. They need a guy that can defend. I think Dort is by far a better score than Caruso. Um, if they're going to go legitimately be contenders and, and they were the number one seed in the East last week. Like that's, that's not a, a, a crazy statement to make. If they're going to go be a contender in the East and they want to make a win now move, Pat Williams is the guy that you, you trade. In a vacuum, if Dort for Williams, if that was something the Bulls were willing to accept, is that a no-brainer for you? Is that a no-go for you? Somewhere in between, where are you at on that trade? That's an absolute no-brainer. I, I agree. I, I love Lou Dort. Here's the thing, though. I don't think, with all the injuries, I think that probably changes what the Bulls do at the yeah. deadline. Yeah. Um, and quite honestly, I think that, I think the Thunder are the team that have to put in a pick there. I think it has to be Lou Dort and Darius Baisley and a pick yeah. for for um, Patrick Williams. Yeah. But yeah, I'm like 150% in on that. I think, I mean, that, that accomplishes two goals. It makes you worse this season and betters mm-hmm. your pick. Mm-hmm. And it gets you a really, really good power forward that yeah. is young and you can build around. Um. And then even if you get like the number one, number two pick in the draft, you can still go get Jabari. You yeah. can still go get uh, Paulo. You can go get Chet, whatever, mm-hmm. and you can still make it work. Yeah, yeah. And so the interesting thing is there's still a bunch of time left in this poll. We've got 144 votes right now. Guess guess the percent split. I bet it's really close to 50-50. It is on the dot 50-50. Oh, wow. I'm one of the yes votes, by the way. I am too. <laughs> I'm I'm a no-brainer yes. Yeah. Um. So it makes sense to me. I have no idea what it would take for the Bulls. I think if they were to trade a guy like him, it'd be more for a Jeremy Grant type mm-hmm. player. Um, obviously, Dort's younger, probably has about more potential, but just more upside just because he is younger than Jeremy Grant. But if they're really looking to win now, there's definitely guys out there that could do that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the three point shooting. Um, the Thunder tonight shot 35.6% from three, 16 to 45, which doesn't sound great, but entering the day, they were 31% from deep as a team, 
worst in the NBA, worst in the NBA since the 2012-13 season. Jesus. So they are historically bad from three. A lot of that is their three highest volume three-point shooters, Shea, Dort, and Giddy, are just not good three-point shooters this season. Like, I tweeted mm-hmm. you today, yesterday, the day before, um, you'd mentioned Dort is going to shatter the number of three-point makes he's going to have this season, but he's taking a bunch, right? Like, if you take a lot, you're going to make a lot. Um, I'm just curious your thoughts. This is more holistically than than tonight's game against the Bulls. Do you see, like, I know that that trio of players, Dort, Giddy, Shea, has been, even Mark's been asked pregame, like, what do you think about the fit of those three can you run those three together long-term knowing that none of them have excelled as three-point shooters this season? Do you see that as a detractor for them being a long-term kind of backcourt trio or what are your thoughts there longer term? That's a really big question. It's tough. Let me put it this way. Gun to my head. Have to choose. You take, you say three players on this roster will be on the Thunder at the start of the 2023-2024 season. Okay. I'm so going two years from now. Correct. Okay. I'm going Shay. I'm going Josh. I'm going Trey. Ooh, not JRE? Your center for the next decade? Yeah. Those those are the three I'd go. Those are the three that I think have the highest upside. Okay. Like reachable upside. I, I mean, sure, I think Poku's sure. upside is insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, it it's falling off a cliff. His his chance to reach that upside, right? Yeah, um, I think those three guys. Uh, it's very very clear to me that what this team needs is a guy who can shoot the piss out of the ball, yep. um, and kind of provide a lot of floor spacing. And like we talked about, your your center of the future, um, that really sticks out to me watching them play the Cavs yeah. two times in the they past play week. Three, three seven-footers in their starting lineup. Yeah. Um, Darius, Darius Garland's incredible. Darius okay. Garland gets four assists a game just by throwing the basketball somewhere towards the rim. Yep. yep. Um, the Thunder needs someone. They, they don't need an, an all-star type center, right? Yeah. But a... Um, Oh, I don't know. A Miles Turner type center, a um, Clint Capella type yeah. center, a yeah. guy that can anchor your defense and just catch lobs and be a pick and roll threat. I think would do so much for for Shea and for Giddy. So for that reason, uh, I, I don't know if Lou is like the long term fit. Um, I mean, I it's hard to to dig through all of the rumors, but we believe that the Thunder were offering Lou and picks last summer to move up in the draft three. Yeah. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Lou is great. Lou is awesome. Uh, you've been on this for a long time. Do they want to pay Lou? That's going to be a a big point of contention moving forward. Um, I think they can, because even if you pay him 16, 17, $18 million a year, that's very tradable, especially with the new CBA coming up. Um, and if, if you're able to get a guy like a Jabari Smith jr, um, maybe like a shade on sharp or a Jaden Ivy, yep. um, someone who can fill that Lou Dort role and have a higher ceiling. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I wouldn't be surprised to see Lou Dort get traded 
on draft night this year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I, I don't know if those three are like, you know, Sam Price is like, we have to build around these three. I think he loves Lou Dort. I think they love everything that Lou Dort represents. Yep. An undrafted guy who told other teams he didn't want to be a draft and stash second rounder because he wanted to go to Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. fights his way up through the G League, um, is very much a buy your bootstraps kind of player. I think they, I think the Thunder are incredibly proud of what Lou Dort is and what yep. Lou Dort encompasses. Yep. But you got to take the biggest home run swings you can, um, and and Lou Dort is a piece to the puzzle. Yep. And if you were to move forward with that trio, you would almost have to have a power forward and center that are like 45 percent three point shooters. Mm-hmm. Like you would You'd have, have to have spacers. Yeah. Or or a bench that's just full of like future Kyle Corvers, you know. Um, and then also, I'm I'm not against paying Lou Dort. Like I've 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 been critical of him and his upcoming payday. I just, I just think you pay him knowing he's going to be a bench player, right? Like you don't pay him like he's going to be your starting shooting guard for the next decade. You pay him like he's going to be your sixth man. Cause that's what he's going to be. Like if he's going to be on this team five years from now, when they're in the playoffs, if he's a starter, something went really wonky in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's fair. Or so, he just blew the top off. Yeah, oh, um, sure, and, sure. And the the his ceiling ended up being much higher, and he attained it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, Lou. Great play, and like you said, he he is he is Thunder culture and a player. Like mm-hmm. like trust the process is the is the Sixers mantra. I know, but like that is what he is for the Thunder. Like he went through the ringer. He G League to. I mean, we were like, it was just like three years ago. We were talking about this G League guy just guarded Dame Lillard. And now he's guarding. I was there for his first, his first G League game, covering that game. Yeah, not not too long ago. Like mm-hmm. he, and now he's just balling out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I want to talk about another guy that has been impressive. I'm curious your take on his ceiling. Um, he's versatile. I don't, I don't know what position he's going to play long-term, but Aaron Wiggins, he's been a guy that has proven to be a bucket getter. Um, Also a quality defender. That's something that Mark's talked about quite a bit is that he has defensive upside, I guess to, to water down the question. So I don't open up just like a random can of worms that you could take from any angle. Is Aaron Wiggins a guy that's, that's scoring on a team because someone has to score or is he actually showing you something? He's definitely showing me something. Um, I've been pretty firm on this. He's been good. Like he can hit the open shot when it gets passed to him. He's shooting uh, 31% from three in 28 games. He started 15 games this season. Um, he is shooting 49% from the field, uh, three rebounds and assists to steal a game, seven and a half points. To me, he is like a, a Kenrich Williams mini me. Yeah. I see a lot of, of Kenrich's type of game in him. Just kind of does a little bit of everything. I love the fact that he can get to the hoop, that he's athletic enough to get up and dunk. He cuts a lot, which I think is huge when you, guy, you have a guy like Josh Giddy on your team. I've been big on this, and I'm going to stay on this. Okay. I want to see what he does next year. Yeah. Because we were talking a lot about Teo Maladon yep. 12 months ago. It's and weird, look at huh? where that dude's at. Yeah. That dude's probably not on this roster after this summer. Yeah. Like he's just not good. Um, you know, we need a lot more runway with sure. Sure. Wiggins. Uh, he is, he just turned 23 at the beginning of January. Uh, a little bit of an older dude. He's only a year younger than Shea. Um, he's like a decade older than Poku. Um, so he, he's got a little more experience, a little more maturity to him. Uh, he's a little more physically developed. Uh, so I think that plays a role as well. I don't think he's on anybody's scouting report, but I just think he does a lot of the little things. He can defend, um, he can cut, he can shoot a little bit, he makes the right play. Um, I see a lot of Kenrich in him, and if you have guys like that, I mean, how, how tall is Wiggins? Like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, yeah. six, six, 200 pounds. I mean, he is a... I, I think his ceiling is like a solid bench wing that can give you 15 minutes a night. Yeah, and at pick fifty five, making next to nothing on your payroll, that's mm-hmm. that's okay. Um, I want to close out by talking about Kenrich Williams. Um, you mentioned him over the next what do we got? Sixteen, seventeen days between now and the trade deadline, he's probably going to be the name that you hear the most. Um, we've already got not that these are like shams or woes type articles that are actually putting out. News and intel around the league, but Bleacher Report put out this morning their um, three players every team should target kind of a thing. And there was different tiers based on realistic and like best case and then like kind of a low baller. And Kenrich Williams' name 
pops up all around the league. And I think you and I both agree he would fit on every single team in this league, whether you're rebuilding like the Thunder and know he could be a team or, or a guy that could help you in the future or you're a contending team and he can raise your ceiling now. Does it all on both ends, hustles, hence the nickname. Um, I guess my question to you would be, are you pro, and, and the question is relative, like if a team calls and offers three first-round picks, even if you're the biggest Kenrich Williams fan in the world, you're going to say trade him. But yeah. but relative to what he's probably worth, are you team trade him, get the assets now, and completely tank the bottom out of your team over the next you know 40 games the rest of the way? Or are you team keep him around, maybe try to re-sign him, keep him long-term for whenever you're, you're good again, or, or is a guy like Wiggins, maybe fill that role longer term for you. It's, it's interesting. Like having Kenrich off this team would make them worse because he is a floor raiser to the you, umpteenth degree. What was that stat tonight? You tweeted he was a plus 16 in a one point game. Yeah. Uh, plus 16 or yeah, I think it was plus 16 or plus 20. That's in a one point game. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. Um, he's, he's a, an absolute floor raiser. I'm kind of torn on the trade thing. Like, and we talked about this a little bit on last night's group podcast, our, our weekly roundup podcast. But Joe Masato put out a great article about how Kenrich Williams basically said, I want to retire as, as, an, as a Thunder, right? Yeah, like yeah. he loves it here. As a small market, you die to get those kind of guys. Yeah. And once you get one, are you going to trade them away? Now, Justin brought up a great point last night of, Steven Adams was the same way you shipped him off. Yeah. I, I think you ultimately have to do what is best for the long-term growth of your franchise. And if somebody meets your asking price for Kenrich, you help him get to a spot that, that will be beneficial for him and will get him paid. You thank him for his service. I don't think like the thunders culture is going to tank when Kenrich leaves. No, but another option is you could keep him around and say, Hey, Kenny, you're going to play every other night. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're gonna we're only gonna play half the was games. given that last year. They said exactly. you're probably not gonna play the rest of the way. And he said, I'm fine, keep me. Yeah. Um, that works. Now, I hear a lot of people talk about like, well, Kenrich Williams is the kind of guy that you're looking for whenever you are good. Yeah. Well, if the Thunder aren't good for two to three years, Kenrich Williams is 30 years old. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so um at some point, I mean, like, again, this isn't 2K these guys run out of, run out of steam at some yeah, point in time. Yeah. Um, I think that the thunder have a, a, like a cap on all of their players. Like you meet the asking price, they're yours. Now yeah. I don't think they're broadcasting that out to the league, sure. but they, they know what they want for their guys. And if somebody meets the asking price for Kenrich Williams, um, I think you pull the trigger. Right. And I, and I think Justin talking about Steven Adams last night, uh, really bought me into that idea. Let me ask you this. Um, the Thunder are known for doing players right on the way out. Um, Chris Paul, as an example, the Thunder had offers from Philly and they had offers from Phoenix. And Chris essentially reportedly said, um, I don't want to be in Philly. I'd much rather be in Phoenix. And they took that offer. Um, could Philly's offer have been better? Maybe. Do you think Kenrich gets that same level of not, I don't want to call it respect. Cause I know he's got respect around the, around the front office and around the locker room, but, but are they willing to bend their back? And maybe not even a bend. Like if it's a, there's three teams offering, um, maybe they're just 
a hair different. Maybe the the top offer is an additional second rounder. The bottom offer is, you know, less a second rounder. Like maybe it's it's that close. Do you think they give him the option, or do you think if all three are contending teams that Sam Presti genuinely thinks Ken Rich will help, and if if he genuinely believes all three of these situations Ken Rich will thrive in, do you think he even gives him that offer? It's really tough. I mean, if it's like, like, this... well, let's let's say it's Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Phoenix are the three teams. Yeah, calling. I mean, I think Kenrich would be amenable to any of those three. Sure. But if it's if it's Phoenix, Dallas, and the Kings, yeah, oh, sure, sure. Like he's going to send them to Phoenix, you know. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and and I think this is the inherent disadvantage of the NBA and we could go down a deep rabbit hole with this. We won't, but this is the inherent disadvantage of the NBA is the Thunder almost have to do that because they need as great of relationships and as great of a, um, uh, a reputation around the league with, with um, agencies and agents as possible where the Lakers can literally tell you to go F yourself. And then LeBron James will walk through the door. Right. You know, and, and that inherent disadvantage makes it so much more difficult for teams like the Thunder. Um, but I think that's just part of the culture that Sam Presti has. Uh, we've seen it again and again and again. Al Horford wanted to go back to Boston. Um, Chris wanted to play with Devin Booker and be closer to LA to his family. Mm-hmm. Um, Russ wanted to play with James Harden. Um, R.I.P. I, I think, I, I think they would be amendable to not shipping Kenrich anywhere. I, I honestly, if I had to guess right now, I think the conversation between Sam Presti, Kenrich Williams and Kenrich's representation is we love you. You are great for our team. We want you here long-term. If a team comes and offers something of substance, right? We're going to have to think about trading you. Um, but we are going to do right by you. And we're not going to trade you to a place where you're not going to have an opportunity where you're not going to get paid and where you're going to be in a horrible situation. We're going to, we're going to make sure those three boxes get checked for you and you have every advantage. And it's nothing new. Like I think his trade value has risen now that he's had a second year of sample size that, mm-hmm. that shows he's a good player, but teams were calling on him last year. Mm-hmm. Albeit it was a second round throw in pick just to give you something for him. I think his value is much higher now, but the same conversation was probably happening last year. So it's nothing new. Definitely. Um, honestly, I kind of think this is going to be interesting. I, I've always wanted to be a fly on the wall on on trade deadline day, yeah, and, and just kind of see the war room and see what's happening, because m- what my imagination tells me is a lot of contending teams are going to want Jeremy Grant, yeah. And once the Jeremy Grant domino falls, a lot of teams or doesn't fall, yeah. A lot of teams are going to say, "Oh shit, we need to pivot." And in the final hour, they're going to call Sam Presti and say, Kenrich Williams was our backup plan if we didn't get Jeremy Grant. Will you still take our offer? And Presti's going to say, yeah, the market's a little higher now, right? The supply is lower. The demand is higher. The way the market works, you got to pay more. And maybe saying a bidding war sounds wrong. It's not like teams are going to be throwing in all kinds of crazy stuff. But I think you can pit a few teams against each other that are desperate to get that final piece to push them over the hump. And I think kind of saw the same thing last year with George Hill. 
Like mm-hmm. there was the Lowry domino, there was, you know, the the Dragic domino and those didn't fall. So ultimately Philly's like, yo, we're going in. I think there's another piece to it where not only is Oklahoma City going to be able to pin teams against each other for Kenrich, a lot of those teams, um, regardless if you're going to win it all or not, it's nice to get below the luxury tax or reduce your bill. Mm-hmm. If you can do so, dump a big salary and get a player like Kenrich that makes next to nothing that also makes you better. Like that is a huge value for a team. Huge. I totally agree. Um, bear with me for a second. Uh, you yeah. just talk about something cause I'm going to look up a trade real quick. Oh goodness. Um, I'll talk Muscala for a little bit just because okay. he's a guy that I think is, is, is a more interesting case. I don't want to get too in depth on, his trade value, because ultimately I don't think he will be traded. I think that's one that similar to Kenrich, unless you get an offer that you cannot refuse, he's going to be here. And I don't think he's going to warrant an offer that Sam Presti can't refuse. He's good. He's great for this team. He's an excellent three point shooter. I just don't think he warrants like a first round pick by any means. Um, I think he'd rather stick around a, if he had the choice and B um, if Presti got offered a second round or he wouldn't do it. But I think, Muscala is a guy that is being talked about in like these Bleacher Report articles and maybe in the rumor mill, but he's not a guy that's going to be going, I don't think. Totally agree. Um, Okay, I found it. And as I thought, it works out to a T. Uh-oh. Recently, we had a three-team trade, and Boston's um, motivation in that trade was to cut, cut money, right? Yep. That, that, that was the whole goal. Um, a straight up trade, Aaron Naismith for Kenrich Williams, um, I think makes Boston a little bit better. Yeah, certainly. And it cuts just the amount of salary, 1.7 million to get them below the tax line. So it's a win-win. Just saying. It's a win-win. He's just awful this year, but I do like the idea of him being in Oklahoma city. Yep. 22 year old kid that's known to have the potential to be a sharpshooter. Two things before we get out of here, Nick. We went a lot longer than I think either of us planned. Yeah. Uh, two things, because I've been hitting the refresh button like a crackhead trying to get a PlayStation 5 on BestBuy.com. Um, NBA.com slash stats has finally updated with tonight's yeah. game. So when you look at um, the last two weeks, eight games, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 28 points a game, 5.4 rebounds, 7.3 assists, Ooh. shooting 48% from the field and 32% from three, taking 8.6 free throw attempts a game. Where's that rank among guards? Oh, you're going to have to give me a second to... Uh... I, I like I like the numbers. I still wish the three-point numbers were higher. I also... it all. I mean, there's two sides to every story. Shea's three-point shooting has been abysmal but that also means there's room to get better. Like imagine if he was shooting 38% from three or 40% from three mm-hmm. again, he'd be averaging, you know, 20, 29, 30, 31, 32 a game, you know? Uh, as far as points, Shea over the last eight games for guards, uh, number one in the league, uh, about half a point ahead of Luca, um, three quarters of a point ahead of Tatum, uh, wow. close to a full point ahead of DeMar DeRozan. Um, amongst those guys, he is shooting 6% better than Luca, 5% better than Tatum, 5% better than Trey, uh, a little bit better than jaw way better than Devin Booker over the last eight. Um, the three point percentage 
besides Trey Young, he's shooting much better from three than those other guys. That's crazy to me. DeMar DeRozan takes 0.63s a game. He's, he's a mid-range king, man. Yep. So, um, so does Shea win a Western Conference Player of the Week award? Oh, that's tough. I think he should. The stats, Barrett, the one-loss column does not. Right, and that's that's every award, and that's going to be his Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing before we get out of here, after tonight, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets are tied as far as record is concerned. Houston has the tiebreaker. So as of this moment, the Thunder have the third best odds uh, in the NBA draft, and they own the Clippers pick, which is the 11th best odds. I've got I've got a very weird question I was thinking about last night. You know, like whenever you're getting in bed and your mind's just racing and you're like, why am I thinking about this? Mm-hmm. How fun would it be? It, it would never happen, but I think it'd be good for the league and I think it'd be good for both these teams. If Oklahoma City and Houston called each other tomorrow and said, let's trade each other's first round picks straight up. At that, <laughs> Listen, listen, at that point... Neither team has to worry about tanking anymore. All of a sudden, you can try to win games because you're inherently making your own pick better because then Oklahoma City winning games makes Houston's pick better and vice versa. Uh-huh. So, so all of a sudden, you don't have to worry about it. It's, it's like the tank race is over. You, you can win games and not have to worry about it. Like How fun would that be if you knew Oklahoma City had Houston's pick and they could just screw it, let's go win 10 straight. You know what I mean? Yeah. If if that was the case, you trade nobody and you play Kenrich and Mike Muscala 30 minutes yeah, a night. dude. You know? Yeah. How fun oh, that's that fun. Be? That's funny. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Um, we went really long for a post-game yeah, pod. I, I'm, I'm kind of impressed, actually. Uh, Barely talked stuff. about the game, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Nick. Get us out of here. Alrighty, well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Uncontested Postgame Podcast. It's a very, very light week this week. Only one more game for Oklahoma City on Friday. They will host the Indiana Pacers. Um, not sure who's on that postgame. We'll be back with you guys live after that contest. Uh, Pacers are bad. Like that's a t- that's a team that a month ago I would have told you is an easy loss, but with them, I mean, completely tanking out the season, half their guys are temporarily hurt. They're on the trade market for just about anything. Um, that game will be interesting, but like Jacob said, currently tied for the third highest lottery odds. Oklahoma City is well on their way to earning a guy like Paolo, a guy like Jabari, and hopefully not a guy like Chet. Until we talk to you guys on Friday, as always, Thunder Up.